Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So we have some exciting news that we want to share with you guys. We are officially launching a Patreon as of today. We are so excited and we we're just like we're so thankful that so many of you are listening and getting in contact with us and we feel like we've already been building a bit of a community and we want you guys to feel like you're more involved in this community that we feel like we're building because I feel like we see it in our dms we see it on twitter but we don't know if you guys are seeing each other and we want to be like hey this is a family unit (laughs) yeah and so there's different tiers so you can sign up for different things but the cool thing is that we're having a discord so y'all can come chat with each other you can come chat with us you can vote on topics you're gonna get behind the scenes content you're gonna get extra episodes every month and like shout outs and stuff like that so we have lots of cool fun stuff in store and we want you guys to be just as much a part of this as we feel like you are yeah so no matter what level you're at you will 110 percent feel more involved in the process which is the whole point is we want you guys to know what's going on before things come out. We want you to feel like we're as dedicated to you as you have been to us because you guys have just been shouting from the rooftops how much you've been enjoying this and it's like blowing our minds (laughs) to be like honestly I feel like we've said this before but we talk about all of our listeners like all of the time and we're like we think you're all our friends so we (laughs) hope that you think that you're our friends as well and we feel like this Patreon will like make that more more solidified. And so for the first 12 people who sign up because you know a lot of you have been really dedicated since the beginning the first 12 people who sign up are going to have access to our discord server which usually will be at like a higher tier just because we want to give a thank you to y'all early birds who have been there from the start so you can sign up at patreon.com slash name three songs so we we hope you sign up and we are just very excited to be doing this and to continue growing with you guys and building this community so sarah today's a really special episode what are we getting into 
So today we have on Peyton Dale, who I, we found each other on TikTok. And so she's a stylist and knows a crap ton about fashion and rock history and all this stuff. And so we invited her on to talk about like the over-sexualization of women within music from the way they dress to the songs that they sing. And also we, because of course we did, we turned it like into a conversation about like the double-edged sword of how you're not allowed to be like demure but you're not allowed to be sexual but like everybody wants you to be and then men can just do whatever the hell they want as always as per usual it's a really interesting conversation that i think you guys are gonna enjoy a lot she's super knowledgeable and we kind of like brush on every possible topic you could think of under the umbrella term of like over sexualized women in music just to, like give you guys a little taste of <laughs> what's to come in the future gotta keep you gotta keep you guys around somehow so buckle up it's a wild ride. <laughs> All right. So today we are joined by Peyton Dale, a Nashville-based rock and roll body positive stylist with over a decade of experience in the fashion industry. Peyton has styled Lionel Richie for the red carpet and collaborated on a custom jacket for John Bon Jovi to wear on stage. Her work has been featured in numerous TV specials, music videos, magazines, and commercials. And Peyton also has written a book and is working on a TV show. So Peyton, big thank you for being here today. And is there anything you can tell us about what's happening with your TV show? Yeah, thanks for having me. So the TV show is coming out next year. It's called The Peyton Project. And it's going to be a little bit of like following me around on set, figuring out how like how I style photo shoots, video shoots, red carpets, all the stress and the fun that goes with it. And then it's also going to be me giving style tips as well as interviewing musicians and people in the music business about their personal styles and uh, like some of their favorite pieces. Sounds really fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So basically we have Peyton here today because we wanted to dive into the world of over-sexualizing women in pop music, and we thought that she'd be the perfect guest for this. Obviously, this is like a big issue in all of this, and Jenna and I are not style icons like <laughs> So... To get things started on this, all of us have like been listening to music for basically our whole lives. And I feel like my first experience of realizing that women were over-sexualized was I was like nine. <laughs> we went to go see Britney yeah. Spears. And after the concert, I asked my dad if we could go to Victoria's Secret so that my mom could dress like Britney Spears. <laughs> Your mom, not you. Not me. Got because it. I was like, wow. I can't dress like that. My mom yeah. should dress like Britney Spears though because Britney Spears does what she's doing. Because <laughs> Britney Spears is a like grown up and so is my mom. And like Britney's like maybe 18 when that happened. Well, that's a really good question. So I first realized that women's bodies were at the forefront of discussion. Okay, it kind of happened at the same time. I got into music right around the time I was 12. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I'm talking like real music. I also loved like Britney and the Spice Girls and all that stuff. I'm not saying that's not real music, but like got into it where it became like a personality trait around 12. And then when I was between 16 and 18, I was a plus size model. So I was really into the music and the fashion and all that stuff that goes with it. And I was modeling pre-Ashley Graham, pre-any, like pre-it being cool to be plus size. I was just yeah. the token chubby girl. And at the time I was about a size 16, so like the average size in America. And I would go on set and they would talk about my body like it was this piece of trash. They were like, 
I just don't know how we're going to address her. I, and they would be the ones that casted me. And like, they saw my measurements, they saw everything. And I really got into styling one because of my love of music and wanting and fashion and wanting to be a part of it. But also because I'm one of the few stylists in town that will dress somebody over a size eight. And I wanted to make sure that no one ever felt that way. Again, women, especially some of my male clients do have issues like that as well. But I just wanted to make sure no one felt that shitty. I think like the archetype of pop star of like female pop stars, like when you think about it, is always like those body suits, basically like wearing a bathing suit on yeah. stage, whether it's like one piece or two piece. Yeah. And I feel like there's just always a conversation of like, oh, like they're dressed like prostitutes, they're dressed like strippers. And I mean, mm-hmm. I had brought this up, but I mean, Little Mix like isn't huge in America, but they're like a huge deal like in England because they won X Factor like the year after One Direction didn't win X Factor. So a group can win it. And they went from being dressed on X Factor sort of in that like Disney throwing up 17 layers on you style yeah. to then going to boot camp, learning how to dance, doing all those things and getting to dress sexy and the public like not ex- accepting that. And I feel like that's always been a big problem of especially like younger women in pop who have like gotten famous from something else and then gone mm-hmm. on to be like oh I'm an adult now and I guess just like because you have experience like dressing people in like all age brackets and stuff is there anything in place to like help that change over from like being a child star to being like a sexualized pop yes. star? Or, um and we talked about it it's called the Disney kid meltdown at least in my house where it's like when you are that young and I'm talking like 10 and 11 years old, like Miley Cyrus age. And it's kind of like uh, when you really strict parents, when you really strict parents and you become an adult, the pendulum swings the other way. Strict parents make for sneaky kids. Well, Disney Channel and like all that stuff make for meltdowns where you forget to wear pants. So these, these young girls are taught from a very early age, your body's not yours, your image is not yours, we control everything. So by the time they're too old for Disney, they are like, screw that, I wanna go the polar opposite. It's like when you start a diet and you're like, okay, I can only eat salad. And then you freak out and you're like, you binge on three pizzas that night. It's very similar, it's the same thing that clicks in our brain. And there isn't anything in place to protect those people. There isn't anything to really kind of prevent that from happening because we see it happen so often. And I think there are some people that are better at navigating what that looks like as an adult than others when it comes to pop stars. I think Miley has kind of finally figured it out uh, because she's approaching 30 and she's kind of like very aware of herself and what she wants to do. And the new record's a really good record. But there are some people that we've seen that just haven't been able to be as successful. That's the whole thing with like the Disney meltdown of sorts. I feel like when for so long they're like, you can't be a sexual being, you can't be one. And I feel like this is also something that happens in the media a lot. Just constantly being like, oh, like you can't be sexy or oh, you're too sexy. And there's never like a nice middle ground. And that... I think, because, like, we recently did an episode on Miley, and we are talking about how, like, the VMA, like, getting to perform at the VMA is, is always people sort of, like, oh, we have to do something crazy and out there, and it can either, like, make or break a career, mm-hmm. and I think it's, like, that infamous, like, VMA's performance with, like, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, and Madonna, where yeah. they all just, like, made out on stage, and it sort of was just, like, a scandal but not they were like oh it's Madonna of course it's gonna happen and I think both Britney and Christina at that time were in their like I'm sexy and wild phase um 
yeah that was the dirty era for christina yeah and obviously like miley had her infamous vmas performance with robin thick mm-hmm. and i just think that like when the media for so long is like they can't be sexy like britney has her midriff out like miley's back was showing on vanity fair yeah. like how dare they <laughs> and then right. they're like okay the media wants me to be sexy i'm gonna be sexy and then once they do they're like scrutinized for it you mean women can't win when it comes to media perception that's like brand new information to me had no idea. It's definitely something where it's like they can't win. And I I think that's on purpose. I think a lot of like mainstream media is still inherently misogynistic, whether they know it or not. I don't think they're actively going out of their way. They're just going with biases that they have for, um, you know, like years and years of programming. Oh, 100%. I mean, like as somebody who works in mainstream media the things that i'll be sent for like photo requests or certain articles that will be told that we're having to write about it's so much like taking down women and like Mm -hmm. building up men and it's just so problematic because i mean like we were talking earlier just briefly about like like somebody like justin bieber who while he wasn't a disney kid like had a disney style meltdown. meltdown and the world was kind of like oh that's okay. And then he had like this incredible redemption arc in 2015 of like him like releasing his purpose album and then everybody just being like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's let him do that. Yeah. And I just feel like when these girls like Demi and Selena, well, I guess Selena didn't have a Disney. Selena had um, not a Disney meltdown, but if you look at Selena had the I'm a desperate clinging girlfriend narrative in the media when she and Justin broke up. And what I also think is really funny is that Justin, when he had a meltdown, was allowed to have a meltdown. He was allowed to have that meltdown in public and we were able to hold space for him and, you know, be like, oh, mental health is important. Britney's still getting scrutinized for her meltdown she had 13 years ago. Yeah. So that says to me that women cannot be anything other than these sexual beings and they're not allowed to talk about mental health. When Demi talks about mental health, she's scrutinized by being dramatic. But when Justin Bieber is like, oh, I struggled, they're like, he's found God, good for him. So that's also just something else. Women don't have permission to be human. And that's the ultimate takeaway from all this is that I think back to two, well, three Super Bowl performances in general. Because one, the Janet Jackson, the Super Bowl, she's not the one that took her cup off, Justin Timberlake is, but she's yeah. the one that suffered. Lady Gaga was the first, you know, she did it all on her own. Um, and people scrutinized her for having skin show, like her little skin, which honestly, I would like to see any man put on a spandex short and not have a roll come out the top of it. It's just the fabric. Mm-hmm. And then the last one that I saw, it was last year's with Shakira and JLo. And I always say like, I, I'm not Shakira and JLo's target audience. Like that's just not what I listen to, but I watched it because I wanted to see the costumes and I wanted to see the production. And they're obviously very talented women who are great dancers. And it was so funny because I had all of these men on my page that were just going, I can't believe my daughter has to watch this. And I'm like, you have a you porn account. Like, I know you do. (laughs) If you, and I always tell people, if you want, if you're really concerned about the sexualization of kids, like stop watching porn because most of those kids are trafficked. Uh, and go foster some kids because that's where a lot of them come from too. And they're like, no, it's all JLo's fault. So I did this thing on my Facebook page. The the fabric that JLo and Shakira and a lot like Beyonce and all those girls wear, it's thicker than a legging. Like it's it's so thick and it's meant to hold everything in, but it, it's nude colored. 
So I did this thing where I was like, here's the fabric. Here's what it happens when you put it on. They're more clothed than you are when you go to the grocery store in your leggings. And the men lost it. And they're like, it's too sexual. I'm like, why? Why is that bad? You also, I don't want to dance in like sweatpants. I'm going to, you know, I wouldn't want JLo falling off the pole. Like, it's so funny to me because someone like Prince could do the Super Bowl and Prince just oozed sex. And it's like, oh, he's a rock god. But when they did it, it's like, oh, they're skanky. Ew. Women just can't win, period. Something that Sarah and I were just talking about is, um, in these com- these types of conversations, like anything that's stigmatized, and in this one in particular, like these things are, like you said, it's kind of like this cycle that feeds itself of like, like you just said, men watching porn, but then saying like, oh, Shakira is a slut. Like it's a double Because I can't get Shakira. There you go. And the thing is like this conversation, like women can continue to have this conversation as much as we want, but it's not going to change as long as like the other 50% of the people on this planet still feed into these ideas. And if they're still like enforcing it or like even subconsciously the internalized side of it, things are just not going to progress. It's honestly too, it's a take on, it's not just female sexuality. There's a war on femininity in general. And it's something where, you know, the Harry Styles stuff that came out, he's in a dress. He's not the first man to wear a dress. David Bowie did it. Freddie Mercury did it. Mick Jagger's done it. But it's now he's wearing a dress in 2020. And the people that are attacking him are mostly women because they're uncomfortable with femininity. But then they'll go off and they'll wear a power suit, which is a predominantly masculine thing to wear. And that's celebrated. That's, oh my God, she wore a suit instead of a dress. Yes, queen, so powerful, so fierce. But if it's on the other side where it's someone expressing their vulnerability or their femininity, it's like, oh my God, get that out of here. That's disgusting. And it's so funny because the same dads that are like, ew, Harry Styles, I'm like, you own David Bowie records. Like, there's no difference. And it's just, it just shows us that we are not in a place where we can accept true femininity and feminine power right now. Yeah. It's also like, makes me curious of like, were in your example right here, like were those people Bowie fans back in the day? Because like Bowie was bisexual. Bowie was doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. And like, is it like, are they just like, were they fans then of like the true Bowie or is it just Bowie so popular that all of that gets kind of like Mm -hmm. pushed to the backside because you don't have to think about it. I think of people like my, my bio dad, my real dad, um, he's a typical Southern dad. And he loves that. And he loves Queen. He got me into Queen. He got me into Bowie. And he was like, yeah, Freddie Mercury's gay. But I mean, he still made good music. Or like, yeah, David Bowie wore a dress. But like Ziggy Stardust is a jam. Or um, he was related to like Judas Priest. He's like, yeah, the lead singer's gay, but it still rocks. It's st- like, there's still like, he's like, I don't care what you do in your bedroom. I just think it's kind of weird. Like, that's kind of like how most of those people, I think, see it. The other big thing is like, I'm a big believer in you are what you listen to. So if someone's like, oh, I'm a huge David Bowie fan. I'm like, cool. You're like an ally to the LGBTQ community. And so when they're not, I'm like, seems off brand. Weird. That's like all those Trump supporters playing Rage Against the Machine. It's like, what machine do you think they're raging against? <laughs> the dishwasher. Yeah. And it's like uh, Tom Petty's family. They were like shocked that Tom Petty's music didn't want to be used. I'm like, do, do you listen? to any of that. (laughs) But it's one of those things where it's like, I just feel like, I think this is also kind of like an overcorrection because the last four years have been very, the conversation has been very centered around females in power. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we had the marches, we had, um, you know, we have the first female vice president coming into office. These four years have been a really big 
shift in like women coming into their own and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So these things that have always been present in the media, we're going to see it happen more and more because the media is predominantly run by old white dudes and they don't like it when women speak or have anything to say. But you were talking earlier, and this is something I just thought of, you were talking about, are there measurements in place to make sure that these girls don't go completely uh, like Disney kid meltdown status? And I was just thinking about a conversation I have with a former client of mine, and she's a pop singer. We had a conversation where she's like, okay, I wanna do this new video, I wanna do this new photo shoot, but I wanna be naked. And my first thought was, ooh, job security. Um, My second one, like, I can't dress her if she's naked. My second one was, you just went through a breakup, didn't you? And she's like, yeah, I went through a breakup. I'm like, not the place, not the time, because you're going to regret that in like six months. And you don't need to prove that you're hot and you still got it because you went through a breakup. And you'll see a lot of these artists, like when Adele came out that she was getting divorced, everyone made her weight loss about that, which you could get me started on Adele and her weight loss. And I'll just talk for like three years. But the media creates a narrative around what a woman does and why they do it. And women are always viewed as kind of like calculated mm-hmm. and manipulative when it comes to their style choices. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not, but it's uh, I don't let my girls do nude shoots post breakup. It's just not, it's like cutting your own bangs. It's just not <laughs> a good idea. It's just not. And I think that every, like most of the conversations we have is always like the underlying internalized misogyny of it all of like, women even no matter how strong the woman is it's like pre-programmed in our brain to like try and make men feel something yeah and it's just so frustrating because it's just like this horrible double-edged sword where like you should be able to like sing a song or do something when you're frustrated about a breakup or angry about a breakup or whatever case is. And I feel like Miley is like a really good example of that sort of thing. She repurposes her image for herself, but people always equate it back to like what's going on in her personal love life sort of situation. And it's like, you should be allowed to like feel powerful in writing a song like Wrecking Ball and like performing a song in like a sexualized context, if that's what you want to do. But just like when the narrative is always around like, oh, but the man and it's like, why, (laughs) like, why can't we just focus on like this woman doing something that like made her feel like she had ownership of that breakup instead of like the man being in charge of it. And it's so frustrating because I feel like as we keep saying, like we were never allowed to like own our sexuality in like of these situations. Well, an image is also really interesting too, because over the last few years, it became normal for artists to reinvent themselves literally every single album cycle. Yeah. And I guarantee you, it's not their idea. Nine times out of 10, if they're on a big major label, it's not their idea. My indie girls and I, when the album starts to be like, to come into fruition, when it starts to form, I sit down with my girls and I go, here's what we're thinking about. Here's what I'm thinking from a color psychology standpoint. Here's what I'm thinking from a silhouette standpoint, but we need to figure out a way to make it evolve to here. So it feels authentic and genuine. And Miley was one of those where she overcorrected from Disney kid. And if you remember right after like the bangers era, she like started doing no makeup and like grew her hair out long and just like, kind of looked like a girl that yeah. uh, like worked at a coffee shop. And then now she, I feel like now she's finally in her true self. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difference between Miley and someone like us is that we don't go through those things in the public eye. And people can tell when it's genuine and when it's not. Like there are certain artists that evolve every album cycle and I go, 
what phase are you going through this week? <laughs> um, but it's, uh, Miley, I think is finally like, ah, oh, here we are. I'm settled. I'm good. I feel good in this. And people don't respond very well to women who are comfortable within themselves. Not yet. We're getting there. It just seems like everything. No, it, it honestly is. It doesn't seem like it. Like it is like anytime a woman does something, we, you know, if she's fully clothed, she's a prude. If she's not wearing enough clothes, she's a slut. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, even if it is, cause a lot of times, you know, with the child stars and stuff like this, like it's like management or whoever it is, yeah. has a lot of hand in curating exactly like what, how they're dressed. Um, and like how their overall image, how they're perceived, but it seems like even when these choices are like the women's choices, it still comes down to like, you were just doing that to get attention. You were just doing that to be, you know, um, to be sexy or to be something that like men value. And it always just like comes back to that. I also think too, that, I mean, given I, I love artist development and I love finding out how my artists are supposed to look based on how they sound. One, because we're a visual, we're a visual creature that helps to get the point across of like, here's what this new record's going to sound like. But I do think too, because we get so focused on what women do outside of the studio or what they do outside of the stage, we don't actually take a look at their art and their work. And we just are so wrapped up in them as people that we kind of forget that they're artists as well. Like there are some people that are famous right now that I genuinely do not understand how they're famous. And I can appreciate music that is not for, like I always say that's not for me, but I can see why people like it. I can appreciate it. That person's clearly talented. There are some people where I'm like, you got wrapped up in that persona. You got wrapped up in the drama. You're following them on TikTok or Instagram and you think it's funny. And now you're buying their record. Now they're famous because of you. And that very rarely happens with men. They, it's like, they want to see the drama. They want to see like, what's going on? Who is she dating now? What is she wearing to this? And then there are some artists that kind of fuel that fire. And I think that ultimately with all artists, we need to take the work back to the art. Like instead of bitching about Harry Styles on a dress, go listen to Fine Line and then tell me if you like it or not. You can't listen to Sarah Drum and not tell me that that's a great band. My husband thinks it's so funny that I am like a Harry Styles fan now because he's like, he's a literal fetus. Like he's three years younger than me. Calm down. But he, he kind of did the same thing too. He's like, oh, he's, and my husband wears girl pants. So it's like, he's like, why is he in a dress? I'm like, he's expressing his femininity. And he goes, oh, he's just doing it for attention. So anytime someone expresses any kind of remotely anything feminine, it's like, yeah, they're doing it for attention. And what really sucks about that is some people genuinely are just doing it for attention and we can't kind of decipher between the two of them. So it sucks. And like, that's so frustrating too, is it's like, there are definitely people who do things very performatively, whether that is being like, oh, I need to be pro LGBTQ plus like louder, or like, I need to be like more. Where you're like, oh, you weren't the whole time. Like, it just seems very like jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it happens so often, especially with like men in the spotlight being like, oh, these women are doing this now. Like I need to do it because like, no, we're we're good. We don't need you. We're fine. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, there are some times where, and I mean, this isn't music, but I feel like sometimes like somebody like Timothy Chalamet, like wears something and I'm like, you're getting praised like way too much when like, it was his team probably who yeah. like decided to put him in this. It's like, if you see Timothy Shalway like walking around Manhattan, like he dresses like a dude who went to LaGuardia High School. Like he doesn't dress yeah. like Timothy Chalamet at the, like at no. whatever the it's not, Well, it's not authentic. And that's the thing too. If you have, if you're a genuine artist and you have a good team of people around you, you're going to look styled no matter what. And the way that I best describe 
being styled is like, you look cool, but I don't think there's someone behind it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's like a good segue, honestly, into like Ariana Grande and how her Mm -hmm. fans have like been like, you have a stylist, you have this money. Why are you always wearing like these oversized sweatshirts and you're like Mm -hmm. high, high pants, but there's like a rhyme and a reason behind which yeah um so her stylist is law roach he's honestly incredible and ariana's my least favorite client of his which is really funny but he dresses zendaya and he dresses celine dion which shows me that you're a good stylist because you can dress women of all different ages and all different genres and all different areas of work and what i appreciate about him is with typically more with celine and zendaya he brings in these smaller designers into spotlight especially because um, La Roche is black. He also brings in like designers of color and like smaller designers. So I really appreciate that about him. The oversized hoodie was calculated. Everything about Ariana Grande is calculated. And I don't think that we should use calculated in a bad term, maybe intentional. Yeah. Intentional is a better word. Everything about that was intentional. And he also has to work within certain boundaries because Ariana has deals with other designers. So that's something that we don't think about too. Artists will have deals like Harry's with Gucci and like Florence Welch is with Gucci. So she's legally obligated to wear X amount of things for Gucci per year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not talking like just music videos. It's like, she's going to be seen <clears throat> out wearing it. It's an influencer marketing basically. Yeah. So you have to be seen out with that bag. Like that, uh, when Harry wore the black Gucci bag, it's called the Jackie. It's sold out. And that's why they do it. That's why designers sign up with them. So Ariana had the thing with Givenchy, which I think tanked, if I remember correctly. So I don't think she's sponsored by them anymore. And you might not always know about it. You might not know like, oh, well, like Harry did the Gucci ad. We all know he's the Gucci guy. But there are some people that you would never know have deals with brands. So when you start to find someone that you're like, I really hate their style, look every single time at what they're wearing. The thing that's so interesting with Ariana's fans being... Uh, like big mad about her wearing like sweatshirts all the time is quite interesting because I feel like just to, to like compare and like put the like juxtaposition into place it's like Billie Eilish's look is also wearing like oversized clothes wearing like these sweatsuits like all these sort of things and it's like Billie does that in order to not sexualize herself in order to just like exist as a human body within mm-hmm. clothes where like people can't pick apart what she looks like whereas right. Ariana's wearing oversized sweatshirts and like a, I'm sexy I'm so tiny look how small my hand is next to yours me. <laughs> and like I and, like I I feel bad saying that because like I personally think that Ariana is a powerhouse of a woman yeah <laughs> and, like very much like a feminist icon but right. the way that she dresses a sweatshirt compared to somebody like Billie Eilish or just like compared to most people is like right. a sexualized manner and I mean from your standpoint as somebody who dresses people like is that a common thing of like how can you turn something unsexy into something sexy just to yes. continue for the world to view the client as a sexualized person. My favorite thing to do is take something meant to be very sexual and making it unsexual. Ooh. So I have one of my, one of my main girls, her name's Kat Sol. She's a powerhouse of a woman. She's like this indie pop artist. She's doing it all on her own. And we have been very uh, strategic when it comes to what we put her in. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking like the silhouettes all have elements of from, and I'm talking like last album cycle. I'm not going to like spoiler alert any of the other <laughs> stuff. We have left Easter eggs though. So I mean, <laughs> want to like dive into like that, you can figure out next album cycle, but it's all, it's us sitting around going, okay, here's what I heard. Here's the color psychology that goes behind it. Here's what we're doing. And since the record that she did, it's called made in the nineties and it's out on Spotify. Now the stuff that I got for her, I wanted to show elements of strength but also elements of sex appeal, but also elements of femininity. Mm -hmm. I would put a $300 
top that looks like Glenda the Good Witch with a vinyl miniskirt I bought at a sex shop. And then I would pair it with something pretty and feminine. Mm-hmm. So I, I like taking elements of like, this is definitely not like meant to be very sexual and making it something different. Because I think that's how I like to show that my girls are empowered. If you look at my portfolio, none of my girls are skanky. Like they're not, they're not out. There might be a crop top. There might be some cleavage, but it's never all the above. And it's always very like this person feels good in their skin. This was intentionally created this way. But I love doing that. I love going, here's a pair of six inch F me pumps. And we're going to put it with something disgusting. That's going to make it, that's going to take it down a notch. Ariana and Billy, they get compared often because they do wear athleisure on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Billy has created a whole business off of designer tracksuits. Ariana's done the same thing with the top of the designer tracksuits. <laughs> the problem is Ariana, it's not a problem, but it's the perception is that Ariana is a sexy woman. And I always tell my girls, especially when they're super curvy, you have a sexy body already. So anything we put on it is going to look sexual. So we need to figure out a way to kind of navigate that for the consumer. The reason why Billy is so successful is because there's more girls that look like Billy than look like Ariana Grande. So she's killing it in her, in her zone over here in like sweatsuit land, because there's so many girls that can relate to that and can dress like that. Um, It's kind of like when the Spice Girls came out and there were five of them, your odds are like one of them was going to be something that you resonated with. So it's very similar to that. I wish personally that Billy would kind of get out of that because I do think that she could, when Billy decides to leave the tracksuits, it'll be a cultural reset. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. I don't know who her stylist is, but honestly, that'd be the easiest gig in the world. Other thing though, why do we hate on them for wearing athleisure when no one is talking about Justin Bieber. I have one client who only wears hoodies. It's the easiest gig in the world. I just put a bunch of hoodies back here and a pair of jeans and some sneakers and everyone's like, oh my God, fashion icon. I'm like, sure, whatever. Whereas this is just one rack for one woman that like there's two more that you can't see on camera, like for one shoot. And we've got leather and we've got sequins and we've got bodysuits and we've had so many things just to make one thing come to life, whereas men get a a lot easier. And it comes back to that thing of it being a double standard of like men can do it and it's easy for them. But if women does it, she's trying hard or she's not trying hard enough or like all the other things you can play into it. Exactly. It's totally that way. It's, I mean, I prefer dressing women because it's a lot more fun, but it's just and funny well, where it's like, oh my God, style icon. I'm like, and meanwhile, for my girls, I'm like, okay, let me take your boobs here and let me get, put these things on, but not these because that leg's going to be, it, it's a whole thing. Like dressing women is so much more difficult, but it's so much more fun because it's more of a creative process, typically, unless you have someone that is like style goals and a man. Yeah. I mean, do you have any, is there anything else you want to add to kind of that, but in the context of like runway or like high fashion, dressing men versus women? Oh yeah. So styling men versus styling women. Let's take red carpet. For instance, every stylist loses money during a red carpet season. There's actually a really good video with La Roche. So with Ariana's uh, stylist and a couple other people about these like big celebrity stylists, you always, always, always lose money for award seasons. So let's say that I'm dressing a couple. So like, let's say it's, uh, you have Camila and Shawn Mendes. They have two different stylists, which is very common in like celebrity couples. They'll have one take care of one and one take care of the other. If I'm Camilla's stylist, I have to go to like five fashion weeks. I've got to watch every single runway show. And when you have like a Versace runway show, there's 
let's say 10 looks that go down the road. There's like usually more than that. But let's say there's 10 looks that go down the runway. If I want dress three for Camilla, that is the only dress like that in existence. So I'm now fighting Ariana Grande stylist and Miley Cyrus stylist and so-and-so stylist for the one dress that exists. And it's, it, it might not be her size. And I have to bring her multiple options. I have to bring her a rack full of these. So I'm having to fight with PR companies and pitch my clients. That's what people don't understand about styling. I can't just walk in to the Versace store and go, hey, I want this dress for so-and-so. I have to fight for the sample. I have to fight for my client. So if Versace goes, uh, she's not what we're looking for. We're going to give that dress to Kylie Jenner. I'm out that dress. And that's with multiple times. And I have to do that with dresses and shoes and jewelry and bags. I have to fight for my client all the time. Most stylists, when they have a client that's a woman that is not at a level where she has the name. If I can't walk into these PR companies and go, I've got Ariana, I've got Camilla, I've got Demi. If they're not on a first name basis, you're not going to get the top tier of gowns. A lot of stylists go in debt, going out of pocket, buying a bunch of stuff and then returning what doesn't work. I could do a whole episode on how much money I've lost on red carpets. Whereas, okay, so let's say Shawn Mendes, she could call up anyone in the world. She could call up Armani, Tom Ford, uh, any of those people and go, hey, I've got Shawn Mendes. They're like, oh yeah, we'll send you some stock because like Nordstrom or Neiman's or Bergdorf's or um, Bloomies or any of those, they'll have it in stock. And you could just go to the store and take it and do an alteration on it, put a white shirt on it. It's like, oh my God, he looks great. Meanwhile, the samples are typically made for model sizes. They're made like for a double zero to a two, a four if you're lucky. And they're not, they're meant for models, not actresses or not musicians. So then you have to tailor it. You have to pay for the tailoring because you have to alter to fit a woman's body or they look sloppy. With men, it's usually like, oh, take in the waist, take in the cuffs. We're good. We're good. My tailor can turn around. She turned around 12 suits for an award show in like no time. But when it came to one dress, it's like, got to nip this in here. So your butt looks good. We got to do this. We got to do this. Because high fashion is just now starting to come around to the fact that like we need other than a size four, which is why when you see Lizzo in designer, it's either a designer no one knows about or it's custom. They don't make clothes in Lizzo size. Yeah, because that's what I was going to bring up is it's like Lizzo is obviously now like a household name. So people are going, designers are going to like drop whatever they're doing to make something for her. Not always. Well, yeah, obviously not always because I mean that brings in like the BB Rexa situation of like BB Rexa being like a size six maybe and her having so many issues getting dressed and it's like, it's just so insane. It's so insane that like 16 is like the average size of a woman in America. And then somebody who's a six, who is like what we've been brainwashed to think is an average size of a woman mm-hmm. in America still can't get dressed. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I understand the sample sizes when it comes to an independent brand, because yeah. fabric is expensive, notion stuff that holds stuff in together. Decoration is very expensive. When you are a conglomerate that sells so much It's just a matter of you don't want plus size people representing your brand. And there are certain designers that realize like Christian Siriano is really big into body positivity and that's why he makes so much money. If he's a good designer, I don't think Christian Siriano has like something where I can look at and go, that's Christian Siriano. I can do that with like a Versace or a Chanel or a Gucci, but he dresses people that are above a size six. Yeah. So in the same way that I was able to build an entire business on size six and up, he built a whole business for himself on I dress people over a size six. And there's Kelly Clarkson, 
or like he dresses Whoopi Goldberg, he dresses Oprah. If there's anyone that's curvy in any way, shape, or form in a dress that fits them, I go, that's a Christian Siriano. It used to be Zach Posen, and now it's Christian Siriano. So when you go shopping and you go shopping to like a luxury, a luxury store, if you go into a French-owned company, they're gonna treat you like shit. Louis Vuitton will treat you like shit. Chanel will treat you like garbage, and Hermes will wish that you were dead. So what that has done is it's kind of created this like we're exclusive we only work for certain people we only want this we only want that i mean for christ's sakes when you want to get a birkin bag new you have to buy like fifteen thousand dollars worth of stuff before at an hermes store to prove that you're worthy of the birkin bag <laughs> and i think a lot of that is old-fashioned thinking i think a lot of that is going by the wayside a chanel flat bag used to be rare and now every influencer has one so I think that's kind of going by the wayside, but kind of like the music business, we're going to see a huge shift in fashion when all the old people die. It's true. I mean, it's, it sounds morbid. It sounds terrible, but like there are certain people in Nashville, especially where I'm like, man, the day that you die, so much misogyny and just grossness is going to go out of the music business. And I'm like, I don't wish that for you, but I'm also like any day now. <laughs> so kind of going back to, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, crop tops the the tiktok algorithm favors crop tops and if you like get on tiktok for the first time you're gonna see it's gonna show you a lot of teenagers like straight away straight Um, away until it figures out what you like in your algorithm yeah and it's just automatically here's the teenagers like no matter what age (laughs) you are it's kind of like weird and a lot of these teenagers are like kind of playing into the like over sexualization thing yeah because it's cool algorithm favorites those and then it's just like it's a whole thing, but I'm just curious, like on your take on like, cause it feels like, you know, TikTok is a platform that is really built around this and like those accounts do better. So how that's kind of played into things. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That is a loaded question. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with crop tops. I think that there's something wrong when children do sexual dances on TikTok in crop tops. I always looked older than I was. I always kind of looked like I had someone tell me they couldn't tell if I was 16 or 45. And like, that's just kind of always been like, people are always shocked when I tell them how old I am. Cause like they either go, I thought you were younger. I thought you were older. So during like MySpace days when I, you know, I'm dating myself, but when I was in high school, the MySpace photos would always be like, show as much skin, the boys will like it, blah, blah, blah. And the generation like right after mine doesn't remember time without social media. So that's the only way they get that dopamine hit is like other people like me, uh, whereas I had to like be a nerd and like be pushed in the lockers to like grow a personality. I think that our society's always favored uh, prepubescence as like the ultimate thing on the pedestal. Well, I mean, it's, Lolita it's, culture, yeah. Right, Lolita culture for sure. And it's like, I think that we all have a stage in which we're pick me girls, whether we want to admit it or not. 100%. And, yeah, oh, I had one for sure. I had one for like years. And it's still like something I have to fight with. I'm like, oh, you're being such a pick me girl. Stop it. But that's a lot of it. It's like, oh, look, I'm cute. I'm sexy. I'm this and that. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And then their brains are not fully formed to know like this is not good. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever blame the young girls for it. I blame the society for it. I think that it's messed up that can't, like there are so many girls that just do nothing but this. And they're like, they're, they're in like 200,000 followers. And I'm like, hi, I'm on TikTok. And I'm like giving away valuable information that will help your life. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Here she comes again, the pick me girl. So I think that I remember being 14 and feeling the need to look sexy in my MySpace photos. So I don't want to shame somebody for it because I tried and my mom was like, take this picture down. It's terrible. 
Uh, and it was not nearly as bad as the stuff that I'm seeing all over social media right now. I see a lot, the big problem I have with it, and this is a problem I have with all my underage people I've ever worked with, is the stage parents mm. that allow it to happen and encourage it to happen. We talked about this in our like pre, before we started recording. I had a client of mine who she was, I think, 13 at the time. She was a baby. She had braces. Beautiful, fantastic singer, like, mwah. And the big thing was, how do we make this young woman that sounds like an adult look cool, but not Disney kid? We don't need 12 layers of shirts and a sparkly belt and a hat for no reason and fingerless gloves. And how do we make her not look sexual? Mm -hmm. And that was something I navigated. I think I did a really good job on it. I'm honestly very proud of those photos. And I remember her mom telling me, I know my daughter is sexy. I know she's a sexual creature. I know that that's something we need to play into. And we did the photos. Everybody was super happy with them. She's honestly gorgeous. Her mom told her she had like a baby face and we'd have to like Photoshop her face. And then the next time that she wanted to do a photo shoot, she reached out to me and she goes, oh my God, I just watched the original Lolita. How cute would it be to put mm, in that hairstyle with the heart sunglasses? And I'm like, uh, she's a child. It's different when Lana Del Rey does it. I still don't like it. But I also had a Lolita phase in high school because I thought it was so cool that I was in love with 70-year-old rock stars. Uh, <laughs> I still do, honestly. I'm just, you know, old enough to, if I wanted to leave my husband for Keith Richards, I could. But yeah, it's, it's something that is ingrained in us. And I think that our parents, especially the ones that grew up in the 80s, right around that time is when like the boob job became like a normal thing and like tanning beds became a normal thing. And it just, it's just taken off and just stuck with us that our daughters have to be, if they want to make money, they have to be sexual. So I don't style minors anymore for that reason. I have one group, they're a folk group of kids and I style them because their mom is a good mom. I think a lot of it comes down to parenting, but that's, I, I also don't have children. So maybe I shouldn't get on that soapbox, but I have had a lot of really just terrible conversations with stage moms talking about their daughters like they were products and not people. I think that's what all it comes down to is they treat, we treat women like they're products and not people in general. Yeah, I feel like that's the huge problem is it's like what we're fed like in the media and whether it's real life media or like films, TV, whatever. I just like still to this day, I'm like, wow, I didn't live my life as a teenager because I never like snuck out my bedroom right. window or like went to do whatever. But like, I never went to a house party where there was like a DJ and a yeah. dance off. Like I never had that. Yeah, it's like I'm 28 years old and I'm still just like, I never did this. Meanwhile, yeah. I was like 16 and like going to concerts and talking to band guys. And it's like, but in my mind, I was like such a nerd. Yeah. That, like none of it like even phases me that now when I tell people like, oh yeah, like I knew so-and-so when they're like, what? And I'm like, look at what I was dressed like. This means nothing. Check <laughs> this out. Yeah, I but, totally get it. But like in media, we're like fed these girls who are like wild even when they're like the girl next door or whatever like no matter what level of sexy like the character is or like the person is there's always something like sexualized about them yeah and I feel like in the world of music it's so much harder to like separate 
the persona that they're putting forward because like no matter how true to themselves these artists are it's always a front it's always some sort of Mm -hmm. a persona in some way and so it's like when these people are putting out like Halsey for example is like putting out this music that's very like just comfortable with like her sexuality and is and stuff it's like you still can't win no matter what another thing that I also thought about just kind of came to me is that men don't have songs about competing against other men. Yeah. Think about the songs that have come out. I mean, I you said Avril Lavigne and it like triggered a 2003 reaction. Do you remember the song, uh, you know, there was Girlfriend, there was Skater oh, yeah. Boy, Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored, You Belong With Me. Like there are so many female pop songs mm-hmm. about like, ew, I'm so much cooler than her, pick me. And I honestly cannot think of a male, like I can't think of a song where it's like, I can't. Yeah. But as women and as consumers and as fans, we are so brought up to believe that like, if I have this theory about female music fans, straight female fans. And I told my husband this, cause he's like, you really don't like a ton of female artists. And I was thinking like, yeah, I, I could list like five. And then there's like in my house, every single wall is covered with like a 70 year old English man. <laughs> I'm like, I got Rod Stewart, I've got Eric Clapton, I have like Humble Pie, like the Beatles are everywhere, but it's like, I have no female music like represented. And we have a whole like studio. There's like one Betty Davis poster. And I was like, well, I guess that women consumers either want to want to go to bed with the guys or want to be that woman. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and you can't think of like more than five female artists that you want to be like. And it, it like pissed me off. I'm like, no. Oh my God. I'm a misogynist. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible human being. And he's like, I guess it makes sense. To be fair, all the men have like the same haircut. So like they're all the same guy. But it, it's funny because I had to think about it. Like my artist that I can name are like Cher. Uh, Cause she's got fabulous clothes. She's never done a pick me song. Betty Davis. And then I'm like, I was struggling I'm like Joni Mitchell. And then I seriously spiraled all day long because I could not think of anyone. Whereas men, I'm like, oh yeah. You want my B list? Here it is. And I think that women as music fans are still trying to kind of like come into their own where they can support a female artist hundred percent because you can only support people to the extent of which you can support yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you see a woman like Halsey that's out there who's like living her life and she's sexually liberated and she's free, if you're not feeling that in yourself, you're not going to be able to support it to her which is why Billie Eilish resonates with so many people. Cause we either were that kid that got bullied in school or we are that kid now. And people can support that and they can resonate with that. But you're gonna have a hard time finding a woman who sings about female empowerment that doesn't have, that has a huge female audience. A lot of them have gay man fans, yeah. like Madonna, Cher, Britney now, like all, Lady Gaga, all of her fans are like gay men. So like there's not all of them, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a big thing. So like, that's why you see those women, those women stay relevant because they have a huge following with the LGBTQ community and they're the ones holding them up. But straight women do not tend to listen to straight female pop stars anymore. Yeah. So Sarah and I kind of had a similar conversation. I mean, I think again, this is such a cyclical thing of like, the art, the art in life, you know, just going back and forth and back and forth with society. But like, if you think about like boy bands, cause we, we do talk mm-hmm. about boy bands a lot. They sing songs of like teenage sweetheart and like the girl listening and be like, Oh my God, they're singing about me. Or like, it feels like, yeah, girl, they're not about you. 
But like when it's when it's a like a rock band, let's say, a lot of like rock songs hate women. Like they'll call them out in different ways. And it's sometimes it's coded and sometimes it's not so obvious. Yeah. It's like women grew up listening to like, if, if you listen to this, you know, grew up yeah. with like these love songs in their head and like their ideal of like a rom- romantic just life and everything is like sweet and lovely. And men didn't have songs like that for them. And I think that being said, because I think about the boy band thing all the time, because I was, I grew up in like the Backstreet NSYNC era. Backstreet Boys always were superior in my opinion, um, and sync were much better dancers. And One Direction did it. Cause like I said, I reverse engineered listening to One Direction cause I liked Harry's style. And then was like, oh, if his style's good, his music must be good. Let me see where he came from. And I developed my musical taste, like, oh, I love the Beatles. Let's see who inspired them and where that happened. And like, mm-hmm. you know, put the family tree together. The boy bands from the last 15 years all have a song about liking a girl that doesn't know she's pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, but I, I went on a date with this guy who was a musician because I live in Nashville and I'm a stereotype. And <laughs> he was early to come get me in my house and I was getting ready and I didn't have my makeup on. And he's like, you're really pretty without makeup. And I went, thanks. And he goes, you're not going to argue with me? I'm like, no, I'm accepting your compliment. And he goes, there's no need to be a bitch about it. Yeah. And it's like, that's a whole thing yep. in so like why are you telling me that i don't know i'm pretty like clearly if one direction is singing about me like i must be pretty hot (laughs) i must be like a model or an influencer or something and the uh the rock songs that i particularly like are like the blues are really rooted in like appreciating women that's where Mm -hmm. like all the like big-legged woman like this Girls are so hot, I can't wait to sing about them. The 90s were really misogynistic when it came to rock music, but like the 70s, it's like, hey, you're a chick and you're hot and you're here and this is cool and I like you. Or then you have like, wow, that was a really bad summary of like any rock song ever. But like all the stuff that I like is all very like female friendly. Yeah. So, but like the, hey, you're a crazy bitch, like that song, uh, not the cold hard bitch. Uh, maybe let's not listen to a song with that in the title. But I do think that it took a turn in the like 80s and 90s for sure with that happen. But all of my like eras that I stick to, I'm like, I don't listen to anything past 78 if I can help it. (laughs) I have to listen to a lot of pop for work because someone's like, this sounds like this record. I'm like, I know exactly who that is. And then I go Google. Um, It's like yesterday when I didn't know who Little Mix was. I I got schooled. But I think that you are a product of what you listen to. You're a product of what you eat, what you listen to, what you put on your body. It's always expressing that part about you. So if you do listen to that stuff, you're going to be drawn to that stuff. Like when I found out that my husband also liked Betty Davis when we were dating, I'm like, you're cool with female empowerment. Awesome. Because she's got a song about like, he was a big freak. I used to beat him with my chain, like in the bedroom. I'm like, this is Awesome. I was listening to it and I'm like, I'm definitely a virgin, but I think this is cool. But it's, it's all a matter of like, I always think too, when you go on a date with someone or you're on Tinder, you should be like, what are your top five records? Like you're on a desert island. What are your five records of all time? And if someone says something remotely like bad, you just go, oh, it's a shame. Bye. <laughs> That's like, and I mean, this is just completely off topic, but I mean, well, not really, but like Jenna, the reason why Jenna and I also have like talked about like the way that men have sung about women is like we both were pop punk kids and like pop punk. Oh, I didn't even think about pop punk. Hates women so much and it's so coded that like you don't realize until later. And it's like we did like this episode about like artists that we didn't like 
and then like jumped on the baton wagon like way later in life and it's like it's funny because like teen me was like don't like paramore because she's trying to make it in an all-male scene and she's singing about how women should hate other women Mm -hmm. meanwhile i'm singing fallout boy and they're talking about how like these girls are like sluts and i'm like yeah oh like the internalized misogyny really oh yeah like 14 year old sarah but like oh yeah whatever and so it's just so interesting and like kind of sad how like every single topic that we've like talked about always comes back to internalized misogyny how men have it easier it's just so crazy with like male pop stars especially i feel like just have it so easy of like what they wear and what they dress and like i bring this up a lot but it's like male pop stars especially ones who were famous before they like reached their 20s they all have their like justified album of like oh like I'm leaving behind my teeny bopper self here's my album of me being like look I fuck whereas yeah. like women <laughs> I smoke have... all the weed <laughs> yeah exactly it's like look I fuck or look I do drugs yeah whereas women have like Miley style like quote-unquote meltdowns or like issues like Demi Lovato has had and they mm-hmm. all have to face these like horribly traumatizing things whether that's like turning to drugs turning to alcohol just like completely like shaving your head whatever the case is and it's like there's no room for women to be like hey I fuck without it being like like that's all that they do like that's that I feel like um during that era of Miley it was all I fuck and I smoke weed and we're like we get it because that's all that was pushed out to us in the media Mm -hmm. and now it's like I have a mullet we're like yeah I get it that's all we're being told like can we just play your record and you can see a little bit about like media bias I know that people have a certain idea of what you're supposed to be which can be really confusing people have made their mind up about you before they meet you anyway it's just your job is to kind of change it so and I think that if this podcast is taught it's going to teach a lot of people anything it's that we all need to examine ourselves no one is perfect no one is, you know, passes. And I also think too, that like with this new wave of feminism, which took me honestly a long time to get on board with one, cause I was a former pick me girl. And two, because a lot of women in the business, like not even the business, a lot of women on the outskirts of it or that were in the business really burned me and really hurt me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ew, I'm not going to be like that. Fuck you. You're a groupie. You're a slut. You're this, you're that. And it really took me a long time to kind of get over that of myself. And I think that we need to normalize changing our opinions when presented with new information with everything, not just this. So I think that this podcast is going to start a really good dialogue about this because I was talking like, once again, let's bring it back to my very straight Southern dad. I was talking to him about this, uh, this red carpet that I was working and I was dressing a couple and I was telling him about the struggles I had between for the woman. And he goes, well, what about the man? And I told him, he goes, oh, I guess it's always easier for us, isn't it? And he's like, I never thought about that. So I think that if we can just get to those, oh, I never thought about that, we'll be good. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's such an important point in any, really in any conversation where there's multiple sides to things. And I think, you know, with this podcast too, it's like, it's awesome that women are like listening and like something is clicking, but at the same time, we can't have this conversation without like men and without other people also acknowledging like what's at play here. I definitely agree with you guys on like starting these conversations and like normalizing just being presented with new information at least thinking about it so it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show obviously it's the band of the week in 30 seconds or less Peyton we're going to give you the honor this week to share an artist with us are you ready it's a lot of pressure okay yeah I'm ready okay three two one go Band of the week is The Sweet Things, and I'm not saying that just because I sleep with the guitar player every single night. If you like raunchy stones, if you like the Sex Pistols, if you like Johnny Thunders, if you like all that good stuff, 
please go check them out on Spotify. My favorite track is Evil Is As Evil Does. It's a cover. It's awesome. Uh, it's all things good. And all the boys are really cute. What's not to like? Okay, that was perfect. That was beautiful. And like, yeah. I think that's a- I wrote their bio. So I was like, oh, they're raunchy and they're this and they're that and they're blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was like a 20, 21 seconds. Our, our record, record. Record, record. Se- record setter. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciated like just all the expertise you have in the fashion industry and how it ties into music and just the whole everything, the whole everything. So yeah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, you guys. And then if our listeners want to follow up and find out more, come watch your TikToks. Where can they find you? I'm at the Peyton Project on everything. It's P-A-Y-T-O-N. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok and my website where I send out cool stuff all the time. It's the Peyton Project. So that was a really enlightening conversation. Yeah, I just like appreciate hearing from someone who knows a side of the music industry that like we know nothing about you know like and like how much goes how much intention or calculation goes into like the appearances of pop stars and rock stars and everyone else I know it's like it's so interesting like in my life as a photographer I've gotten to work with proper stylists like twice and just like how much work goes into like what they do of like getting the like wardrobe and like all that sort of, it's just, it's just crazy. I definitely have like such appreciation for it now. Right? Like here's me being like going into H&M being like, oh, we're going to hide some, hide, <laughs> hide some price tags. I'm going to style a shoot. <laughs> like I, what the fuck was I thinking? I knew how to do. <laughs> That's like the one thing that I've just like super appreciated and loved about getting to bring these guests on and like these super intelligent informed women who like we might have just found through doing this podcast or like knew before knew of beforehand and like getting to have these conversations with people that we never just would have been able to have conversations with before this because they're they're sides to music and like the world of the music industry that like we discuss ourselves with like our fellow friends who work within like the bubble that is like concert photography and journalism which means like also friends in like publicity and marketing and like that sort of thing but like there's a whole other side to it that we just don't even realize how much it has to do with these topics that we already talk about and like Peyton and her friends like probably she probably has like friends and circles where like they talk about this type of stuff a lot Mm -hmm. so it's so interesting how like even though we're in different sectors of like the overarching like music industry it's like there's these bubbles and like conversations like these being had in different places and so it's cool to be able to bring them all together and hear different sides of it Mm -hmm. we've had some really incredible people come and like share their expertise with us and it's also in some cases i feel like broadening or like not like turning that like light switch fully on like when we mentioned the whole like pop punk hating women thing where it's like the switch was like starting to turn on and i'm like aware of it but oh shit right because like i feel like when you live in a certain bubble of music you forget what's going on in other ones yeah And there's just so much undercover sexualization of women in the world of music. And I feel like the conversation's only just beginning when it comes to what we talked about today. So (laughs) you definitely want to stick around if you like this conversation, because we're definitely going to be talking more about like the different legs of this coming up soon, actually. So 
stay tuned for that. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts, concerns, what have you, you can find us on all social media to chat with us. We're at Name Three Songs on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, wherever you like to consume social media stuff. And then you can talk to us personally on social media. I am Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is Jenna underscore Million on all social platforms. So Thanks so much for joining us on Name Three Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Harry Styles. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com.